Welcome back, everyone, to Ask Dr. Paul Kilgore, and I wanted today to touch on a very important topic, and today's podcast title is The Tightrope of Care, When and How to Get Involved in a Loved One's Health. This always becomes an important question, especially for any of us who are caregivers or any of us who are in a household or family where an individual has various health needs. And one of the things I can tell you right off the bat is that this is never easy. Each situation is very unique. So considering the various factors in your life and your loved one's health that matter and are most important, begin the process of you helping or guiding them in any way that you can. So clearly one of the things that I have been thinking about over the years, and I would say decades, is how do you become involved? When do you become involved? And when should you ask questions? When should you just kind of sit back and watch things happen? And so kind of the first topic really is for you to kind of sit down and think about the time commitment that may be involved in you becoming involved in a loved one's health care. Because clearly, there is a rabbit hole to watch out for. It is a deep rabbit hole that you may need to navigate um, in part or go down all the way depending on your situation. That means that we really have to understand how simple or how complex the health issues are that our loved one may be facing. And one of the things I can tell you very clearly is that not all health issues are created equal. Some health issues are quite simple and require much less time or even one interaction with a healthcare provider or with your loved one to navigate through to a solution. On the other hand, there may be much more complex chronic disease issues that need navigating over a period of weeks, months, or even years. Another key idea in this entire concept of navigating the rabbit hole is really knowing or understanding the severity or complexity of the issue. And if you can help describe that early on, this will help you decide the time that you may need to invest or even think about how much time you do want to invest into your loved one's health issues. Another key thing to consider in this type of time commitment issue is the ability to look at the situation, stepping back and looking at it from a realistic viewpoint to understand the level of involvement that you want to take or make into that situation and your ability to sustain, sustain, excuse me, to sustain that involvement level over time. That will really dictate a lot of what you do as next steps. The other thing I want to mention is that when we talk about getting involved in a loved one's health issues, there's always going to be boundaries that you have to consider. And clearly, when we talk about various health issues, one of the things that I know I've always been thinking about is being careful not to overextend myself and being careful to understand where the boundaries are. How much should I become involved? When should I become involved? And what does that involvement look like actually on a day-to-day basis? Because really what we need to do first, I think, is understand our own life situation. What is our work schedule? What other family commitments do I have? How am I going to manage my own personal well-being? How am I going to take care of myself even before you dive in to help your loved one? Sometimes we don't have that luxury of considering these other situations in our life. Sometimes we're just called upon because it's a crisis or an emergency situation and you just have to become involved. But if time permits and if the situation for health permits, 
then considering these issues in your own life will be very important. So work, family commitments, personal well-being, all very important. Finally, I think when we think about the time commitment, the other key concept is to develop an exit strategy even before you dive in deep because knowing when to step back and how to bring yourself out of it, how to extricate yourself from the situation will be very important, not only for your own health, but also for your family, your other loved ones that you could take care of, and just for your own personal well-being. The other thing I think in this regard is that you must have a very open line of communication with your family member around this exit plan. What will a graceful exit look like for you and helping them understand when that may happen, how that would occur, all the details around that are good to kind of have in the open air so everyone is very clear and communicate that to the other loved ones in your family who may be co-caregivers or who may be kind of picking up the baton once you leave it off. In addition to all this open communication I'm talking about, I think it's very important to always have a plan B. So you as a, a sister or a person that will help the loved one in a health situation, what that means is that you're going to have to understand where your support networks are. You will assist your loved one, but you won't be the only one who's going to be providing them with assistance. You're going to have a support network of healthcare professionals, of laypersons perhaps, of community organizations, and they will help you navigate that health situation for your loved one. In fact, there may be some situations where you need to kind of step back or pull back your involvement. And what that would mean is that you become less engaged, but work can be picked up by other people who are part of this expert support network that you've established. Finally, I think when I think of your involvement in a loved one's health, there is a learning curve. And what I mean by that is that you will have to develop some level of expertise in your loved one's health condition. That means extra reading, maybe at night or after work. It means talking with experts in the field. It means talking with doctors and other healthcare providers and actually showing that you are engaged with your loved one. That kind of information is critical when you start attending provider visits or doctor visits with your loved one who has the health condition. That also is very important because when you have that knowledge around health or healthcare issues, it shows that you have done your homework. It shows that you have a level of expertise in the language and the vocabulary around a particular condition. For example, heart disease or diabetes. That gives you an edge when you begin talking with healthcare providers and that will in turn help your loved one. You can also serve as a mediator between your loved one and healthcare providers when you have that expertise in that language. You will know the key words, key phrases to talk to a healthcare provider about, and you can actually communicate and translate that back to a loved one. And that is also very helpful because sometimes your loved one will not have that vocabulary, will not have that expertise that you can acquire. You don't have to be a healthcare provider to learn the language of healthcare. That's one key thing I want to make sure you take home today. The other thing I want to mention is that when you talk about developing this expertise as a healthcare expert, I'll call it, I believe that you can actually navigate better the healthcare system overall, for example, an emergency room visit, and you can also translate professional medical advice that you may get 
during an office visit. This is a very key point, I think. Keep in mind that there are some pitfalls that could occur. One is that while this expertise is very valuable, your loved one with a health condition may not fully be able to distinguish between you as a family member and a healthcare professional with expertise. And I think sometimes those roles can become blurred. Um, this is particularly true if your profession as a, a worker is somehow related to healthcare, even tangentially. The other thing I think is that with the expertise that you develop and with the information you have about your loved one, you can also sometimes have bias in the interpretation of information and the information you or advice you get from healthcare providers. And I think that's important that you be able to objectively communicate information from a healthcare provider to your loved one and without entering bias from your own viewpoint. So keeping it objective is a key way to approach that translation of information and provision of knowledge that you gain through your own work and research. And finally, I think it's very important that you make sure that your expertise doesn't always equip you to deal with the emotional component and the challenges of care. One thing I can tell you is that when you are taking care of a loved one over weeks, months, and years, it is a drain emotionally, psychologically on you. And anyone who's been a caregiver will immediately know what I'm talking about. So if you're beginning to enter a situation where you're a caregiver, or you may be thinking about becoming a caregiver or helping a loved one with their health issues, keep in mind that you need to make sure that you have a plan for your own emotional health and psychological health. The other thing I want to mention too is that you should never forget that you're not you're not in this alone. Make sure that you take advantage of community resources if they're out there. It could be a special community center that has programs serving a certain population. For example, a senior center that has programs, or it could be a YMCA that has health programs or courses. It could be a local school or school district that has programs, or even a university. There's also a lot of community health programs that are run by the public health agency in your jurisdiction, your county, your town, or city. Those are great resources that you can call up, and they're there to help you. They want to help you, and they love helping people. So take advantage of those resources for sure. The other big thing that I wanted to touch on is the whole concept of acceptance and adaptability which is a very tough thing to really think through. I say this for last because sometimes when we're in deep into providing help to a loved one with a health challenge or a health condition, one of the things we will begin to realize is that we can't do it by ourselves. We need to be willing to accept help, but at the same time, our loved one who has that health condition, they have to be able to accept their condition, number one, realize their limitations and what they're up against, and then also realize that by accepting their condition, they can also open the door to accept help from a variety of people, including you as a loved one who's going to help them with their health condition. And it doesn't matter how much expertise you have. It doesn't matter if you have two PhDs or 10 degrees after your name, if your loved one is not willing to accept that help, that expertise, then you really, your hands are tied. 
the only thing you can hope for is a clear thinking individual, your loved one, who ultimately will be able to accept your expertise and your access that you can provide to other experts, that will be key to helping them through their health challenge. The other thing that I found is that with loved ones and many people that we take care of in the clinic, you have to respect their autonomy. And as a loved one or someone who's there to help them, sometimes this is very difficult because you can see what needs to be done. You know you have the expertise. You know you have the right information to help them out. But at one point in time or another, they may not feel like they're ready to either accept that help or that they're ready to bring in the experts that you may identify. And I think we need to respect people's autonomy. This perhaps is one of the more difficult things, I think, to work through as an individual who wants to help someone. But also realize that you can have a candid conversation with your loved one and with other people around you who may help you to help discuss their willingness to accept your involvement. And if it turns out in that first discussion, they're not willing to accept your involvement, that's okay. Just be able to be patient, move on, and realize that, yes, maybe one day they will be willing to accept the help that you have to offer. The next thing I want to mention too, though, is that even if they accept the help, we need to make sure that we adhere to the advice and treatment plans that are given to us. You know, sometimes we go to a lot of healthcare providers. We don't take notes, for example, when we visit them or talk with a doctor. We don't ask deeper questions to get a really deep understanding of our condition or the treatment. And so you as a helper, you as someone who's going to assist your loved one, you can actually help them accept the help, but also follow through with the guidance from an expert in healthcare once they get that expert advice. Because one of the things that can be very frustrating to a healthcare provider or to uh, someone who's providing treatment is non-adherence to a particular regimen. So let's say I prescribe a drug for control of high blood pressure, and I know that the individual understands that they need to take the high blood pressure medication to control blood pressure, yet they go home, they don't pick up the prescription, or they pick it up, they take the drugs home, and they're not taking it as prescribed. They're not taking it on a regular basis. That non-adherence is very common. And there's a lot of reasons psychologically why people may not want to adhere to a particular medical regimen or treatment regimen. Uh, sometimes it's denial about a particular condition. I, I don't have that disease. I don't have that illness. That's not me. And if people are in that state of mind, you have to be patient. It takes some persuasion from a healthcare provider in some instances. And there's different ways to approach that. But there can be a lot of fear, a lot of resentment, a lot of pushing back against treatment recommendations. But if you can navigate that challenge, be patient over time, you will find uh, perhaps a new approach to that loved one's health condition that will help them accept the treatment and really follow through with the adherence to a recommended treatment. And finally, that last part that I mentioned earlier on is kind of really knowing when to pull back, when to step back from your role in providing care or providing help to a loved one. And sometimes the best thing you can do is actually just step back and wait and watch and just be there without saying anything um, unless people ask you and just being a resource there in case they have a question. That kind of, I'll call it some, it's almost like emotional detachment to some degree, 
but it allows you to kind of step back and look at the situation from a more objective standpoint. And when you're able to do that, it gives you new eyes, new insight into how you might better help your loved one. It's very difficult to do, especially if you've been close to this loved one for years, and especially if you can see something that can be done to help their condition, make them feel better, yet that's not being done. It can be very, very challenging emotionally and psychologically. And finally, I think we need to acknowledge that everyone's health journey is their own. Everyone is unique. Everyone has a different mindset, a different approach, different goals in life, and they're at different stages in life. So you can't walk that path for them, but you can be there for them should they need you. Okay? So I want to make sure you have this concept today. It is a tightrope of care that you have to walk and knowing when and how to get involved in a loved one's health care is challenging, but I know you can do it. Many people have done it. Millions of people around the world are doing it now every day, every year. If you have more questions, shoot me a quick email at drpaulkilgore.com. We'll talk more offline and I look forward to our next discussion on really important health topics and keep those questions coming. Thanks so much.